0: About a year and a half ago, Andrew and I decided to go to Six Flags, and it was one of those days where like, the park was totally empty. We were able to do as many rides as we wanted to do. I mean, we, we just had a blast. I remember one of the rides that we got on was the Batman ride. I don't know if you've ever been on the Batman ride. It's, it's the one that basically, man, it's one of those that just throws you up and down. There's all kinds of turns And of course we were going to do the front row. Uh, We get there, the the harness comes down and usually it takes, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds before the ride just takes off, right? Well, we waited 30, 40, 50 seconds, a minute, two minutes, nothing happened. And then they let us know that the ride actually broke down and we were stuck there. To me, it seemed like an eternity. It was only probably like maybe five, ten minutes, but the whole time, man, I'm strapped there. I feel like, you know, you can barely move those things, those, those huge harnesses, you know, they're supposed to make you feel secure and they're supposed to keep you safe. I did not feel secure. I did not feel safe. I was there and I felt like, oh my goodness, we're going to be here for an hour. And what was supposed to be a few seconds turned into a few minutes. And then in my mind, it almost turned into a full-blown anxiety attack. Today, we're going to be talking about this one word, anxiety. We're living in a a time where a lot of people um, are, are... suffering, some anxiety attacks. And anxiety, it's a never-ending ride where you're a permanent passenger and you're not going anywhere. You're tied down, you're buckled up, you're you're chained to your seat, you're not just strapped, but you're trapped. And the more you worry, the more helpless you feel. Now, God knew that anxiety could do this to you. And that's why he said in Philippians chapter four, verse six, he says, be anxious for nothing. Now we're going to get there in a little bit. Philippians chapter four. So if you want to go ahead and just grab your Bibles and turn there, I'm going to be reading from the new living translation, Philippians chapter four, verse six, we'll get there in a second. But when God says, be anxious for nothing, man, that's like one of those things that's easier said than done, right? But our God is so good that he doesn't just leave it at that. He doesn't just say, be anxious for nothing and that's it. No, no, no. He actually gives us a detailed roadmap on how to deal with anxiety. Sort of a turn-by-turn guidance. See, anxiety is this out-of-control thought pattern. It, it, It settles over your mind and it's like a severe weather system that just doesn't go anywhere. I, I was walking on Monday. I was trying to get some fresh air. I was just outside my house. It's a beautiful day. I mean, we hardly had any wind. The sky was blue. I mean, just beautiful day. The temperature was great. And all of a sudden, within about five to 10, 15 minutes, all of a sudden, this huge storm came through. I mean, you could see the clouds. I mean, dark clouds. You You could hear the thunder from far away, and the lightning, and I mean, it it just, I was just blown away, like the wind picked up, all of a sudden it was, I was looking for a tornado, because I mean, it was probably blowing at, I don't know, 20, 25 miles an hour. Anxiety is like that. It's an out-of-control thought pattern. It settles over your mind like a severe weather system. It feels like an Airplane in a tailspin. You're constantly asking questions. What if the coronavirus is unstoppable? What if? What if it comes back? What if this pandemic just takes over? I mean. Wh- 'm going we 're going to be quarantined for the rest of the year. The economy is going to continue to to slide down i mean we 're going to go into a bear market i 'm going to lose all of my savings i 'm going to lose my health i 'm going to gain weight i 'm going to lose my job that 's what anxiety does. you know how am I going to survive with with the with you know being unemployed and and it is the the word anxiety actually comes from a Latin word that means to choke it means to to squeeze like like somebody's choking you and and that's what anxiety does it's a strong grip that interrupts your sleep for many of us it it chokes your energy it harms your overall well-being not just your health but just just your your all your mind it it attacks your mind it attacks your heart it attacks your spirit and so the question we're asking today is this how do we ever overcome anxiety god is going to give us insight through a man who went through incredible troubles and just difficulties and if anybody had a right to be anxious it had to be the apostle paul now you guys are in philippians but i'm going to read real quick second chronicles chapter 11 verse 23 reading from the new living translation if you're on our new church uh, online platform. You can just click on the little uh, tab that says Bible, and you can follow along. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Listen to what Paul says. He says says, I know I sound like a madman. Like, I, I know I sound crazy, but I have served him. He's talking about Christ. I've served Christ far more than any of you all, basically he's saying. He says, by the way, the reason why Paul is writing this is because he's being attacked. There are some false teachers that are telling him that he's not a true follower of Christ. And so they're asking, they're questioning his authority. And so Paul basically writes them and he says, look, 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 you may think I'm crazy, but I've done more than any of you all combined. Look, look at what he's, he said. In other words, I've suffered for the, the cost of Christ more than anybody. And he says this, he says, I have worked harder I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I have faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me the 39 lashes. Three times I was bitten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a whole day adrift, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in cities, in the desert, on the seas. I mean, like everywhere. I've been I've been through everything you could ever imagine, you could ever think or imagine. I have, I have faced danger from men who claimed to be believers, but they were not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights, I have been hungry and thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've shivered in, in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm then besides all this he says and I love this besides all this I've had the daily burden of my concerns for all the churches and it, it, only if you're a pastor you, you truly understand what he's talking about the burden not just emotional but spiritual burden that like when people are going through difficult times that as a pastor as a shepherd you go through I mean like he's saying on top of all that you know, I have the burdens of all the churches that I've started. So if there's anybody that knows a thing or two about anxiety, it's got to be the Apostle Paul. And this is what he says. God uses him in a powerful way to write these words. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. So go ahead and go, go flip there if you're if you in, in Corinthians. Philippians 4, verse 6. He says this be anxious for nothing it sounds kind of extreme to me it would have been easier if he would have said be anxious for less and that would have been sufficient a sufficient challenge right be anxious for less like be anxious just on mondays or right before that project that you have or in seasons of difficulty and, and when you're going through severe affliction but no no paul says be anxious For nothing, like it does. He doesn't really offer any leeway, right? Like, like he's like nothing, nada, zilch. I mean, zero. Now, is that really what he meant? Is that even possible? When you study the the actual original language, what you find out is that the phrase was actually written in the present active tense, and it it actually implies an ongoing state. It's the life of perpetual anxiety that Paul was addressing; that he wanted to address. In other words, he was saying, "Don't, don't let anything in life leave you perpetually and continually breathless." Does that make sense? The, in other words, he's he's almost like he's saying he's saying. I think it was Max Lucato who said the presence. Of anxiety is unavoidable. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. You don't have to. You don't have to stay there. Now, anxiety—it's not a sin. It's an emotion. It can actually lead to sin, sinful behavior if you try to cope, uh, like with your, If you try to numb your fears with alcohol or medicine or TV or too much food. I mean, nothing wrong with those things, right? Nothing wrong with TV. Nothing wrong with food. I love food. Nothing wrong with medicine, of course, you know. But it's when you let those things get out of control. It's when you let those things, when you use those things to cope. And I'm not talking about, like, if you're getting, like, if you have anxiety and you need professional, like, you need a doctor, you need like, a professional, like, a medical advice, and you have a doctor prescribing you with medicine. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about, like, when you... Uh, or when, when any of us abuse, whether it's TV or whether it's, it's um, I mean, you name it, you know, pills, uh, alcohol, I mean, what, any of those things, you use them to cope with life. For me, sometimes it's food. I'm, if I'm stressed out, I overeat. And so Paul says, he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, there's a better way. And God uses him to give us a road map to deal with our anxiety. And here it is. Look in verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, he said, pray about everything. Don't, don't neglect the words that Paul is using here. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. What Paul is saying is is this. He's saying, talk to God. When you feel anxious, when you feel stressed out, talk to your heavenly Father, the maker of heaven and earth. That's what prayer is, right? I mean, to be a Christian without prayer, it's no more possible than to be alive without breathing. You can't survive without Being able to breathe it's it's to be a christian and not pray it would be it's it's like you're you're a fish out of water you're not going to last long and so i have a simple question for you when was the last time that you scheduled a time for prayer you know one of the things that we're doing right now as a church is uh on wednesdays at 6 30 we have we spend a few minutes praying and so i hope that you would join us on facebook live uh, we had a few people this last Wednesday that joined us, and it's just a time for us to, uh, a dedicated time for us to, to come to the Lord and, and ask Him to help us because we need His help. And so I've been, I've been asked this question before. It's a challenging question, and I've not always lived my life this way, but I want to encourage you to, to live your life this way and, and to ask this question, and it's this. Is your prayer life your steering wheel, or is it your spare tire? There's, times in, there's been times in my life when, when I've used prayer as a you know, get-out-of-jail-free card. Okay? There's been times when I've, it's been the spare tire. But let me ask you, do you use prayer to lead your life, or do you use it as, a, like, as almost like a, an afterthought? Paul says, you want to deal with anxiety? Talk to God. Here's the second thing. He says, hold on to gratitude. Like, hold on to gratitude. I don't know if you remember, like, like, if you, for me at least, when I was a kid, I loved to climb trees. And from time to time, I would be climbing a tree and a branch would break or it would bend. You know, I was a little bit heavier than what the branch we could hold. And the thing would bend and I would lose my balance. And then all of a sudden, I felt like I was going to fall. And you know what I would do? I would hold on to that tree for dear life. Like, I'm like, I'm not letting go. I'm not going to fall all the way down, you know, and I would slide down a little, little bit by little. That's kind of the idea here. Paul is saying, hold on to gratitude for dear life. Look in verse six. He says, tell God what you need. We talked about that. Talk to God and thank him for all he has done. Think of those, think, think of those words. Thank him for all he has done. He's not just saying, thank him for the paycheck that you just you got last week. Or thank him for what happened to you yesterday. No, no, no. He's saying, thank me for all. All the things that that I've given you, all the things, all the different ways in which I've blessed you, like all the way to to when you were a child, there's a calmness to a life lived in gratitude. There's something special about people who constantly practice gratitude. You know, one of the things that um, you have to be aware of if you're going to be a grateful person is You have to create some margin in your life. A lot of times, the reason why we're not grateful is is because we're on the go. Go, 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 go. Every once in a while, you have to er, hit the the brakes and stop. Hit the pause button and look around and say, okay, Lord, man, you've given me so much. Just breathe in, you know, just take some time to, to reflect. If you want to be a grateful person, you need to you need to create some margins in your life. You need to, every once in a while, you need to you need to um, uh, take a, a little bit of a break. Here's the other thing: you have to stop all the negative thinking. You got to watch all the. If you have a negative attitude, man, that's got to go. Make sure you don't have a sense of entitlement. You don't have a. Uh, any preconceived ideas of how life is supposed to be and the, like, what you deserve in life. And because it's really hard to be grateful when you, when you think that your life should be a particular way and it doesn't turn out to be the way you want it to be. Here's the other thing. Um, keep bitterness over your past at bay. Because the thing that bitterness does in your life is it'll prevent you from seeing the beauty of the present. More than anything else in life, bitterness, man, it'll just hold you back in the past. And you've got to let the past die sometimes to enjoy the present. You know, there was this guy, Matthew Henry. I don't know if you've, you've ever heard of him. He's a great, famous Bible scholar, very, uh, very deep. And uh, one time he was attacked and they stole all of his money. And on his diary, he wrote these words. He said, I want to be thankful and he wrote four things down. He said, I want to be thankful first, because I was never, I've never been robbed before. Second, because even though they took my money, they didn't take my life. Third, because even though they took everything I had, it wasn't much. And fourth, because I was the one that was rubbed, and I was not the one doing the rubbing. I was not the one rubbing someone else. And I thought of that, and I thought, man, what an incredible attitude to, to go about in life with, with that sense of like, man, no matter what happens, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be thankful to God for the good that, is, that, that, that I experience in life, even when I am going through a difficult time. So Paul says, hey, you want to you wanna deal with your anxiety? Talk to your Heavenly Father. Hold on to gratitude for dear life. And then in verse 7, watch what happens. It says this, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now here's what I want you to know. This is, there's nothing rational about this, okay? This is no, not rational thinking. This is not two plus two equals four. In fact, this verse doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but there's so much truth in here in, in this verse, okay? Here's why. Your life could be a mess. But if you're talking to God, if you're communicating with him on a daily basis, maybe even on an hourly basis, and you are holding on to gratitude, and you're thanking him every day for all the things that he's given you, the outcome, what Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what he says is the outcome is supernatural peace. Sometimes you really can't, it's inexplicable. You can't put words to it. I mean, the world certainly doesn't understand it. And Paul says it. look, when you talk to God, when you're grateful, only then, he says, only then will you experience God's peace. And then he puts a little line there that says, which actually exceeds anything that we can understand. Sometimes it just really doesn't make sense. It's not rational thinking. And then Paul gives us a bonus, verse eight and nine. These are the last verses that we'll read, and we'll be done. He says this little bonus, uh, and he says this now. And now he says, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing: fix your thoughts on what is true, and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So Paul says, talk to God, hold on to gratitude. And last he says, fix your focus. I want you to say it out loud, okay? If you're in the living room, it's okay. If you're in the kitchen, that's fine. If you're following us online and you have the, your, our new uh, church online platform, go ahead and, and, and type it on the, on the, the chat. Say, fix, God, help me fix my focus. Say it out loud. God, help me fix my focus. But uh, a few um, a few months ago, a few weeks ago, actually, I should say, my dad gave me um, this lens for my my camera, my DSLR. Uh, it's a it's a really incredible lens. It's a z- huge zoom lens, and I love this because it, it's it's so clear, it's so fast. And with this camera, man, there there's so much that you can do. I'm still learning, but. I mean, you can change, you know, the depth of feel and you can change the focus and you can take different pictures and be like very, very artistic. And it's something that doesn't really come natural to me, but I'm learning and I'm and uh, I'm really loving it. And one of the things that I realized the other day is that you can look at a picture like this picture that I'm going to show you here in a second. And when you see it, um, you can let, let me ask you this. Like, what do you see? As you look at the picture, where your focus goes, that's where your attention goes. Where your focus goes, that's where your energy flows. That's where you immediately go. And so that's just a small example of, of, like if I show you this other picture, look at it real quick. Where does your focus, where does your attention go? It's all over the place. But when you're focused on something then your attention, your energy, goes to that one specific thing. And so what should you focus on, especially during these difficult times right now? Here's what I would say. If I was you, I would focus on the possibilities for success, not on the potential for failure. That's a, that takes discipline, actually. If I, if I was you... Um, and things are hard. Maybe it's your health, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's uh, your son or your daughter, maybe it is um, you're, you're under a, a whole lot of stress at work. There's a lot of things that you could look at and complain about. I would focus on those things that are going to help you succeed. Focus on the possibility for success, not on the potential. For failure, focus on, or, on where you want to be, not where you have been or where you are right now. In other words, ignore the noise, starve distractions, feed your focus. Instead of complaining about all the, the junk that you're having to deal with, why don't you look up to heaven and say, Lord, I know that my purpose is found in you. God, I know that you reveal your will to your people and I'm, I'm your child, God. God, I know that you've called me for your purposes, God. I know that you've set me, your word tells me that you've set me apart from the beginning of the world before the foundation of the world. God, I know that you're a good, good father. God, I know that you've, you've begun a good work in me and it's not over. God, I believe in that your spirit lives in me and you guide me. You're, the Holy Spirit leads me and directs me and so I'm not doing life on my own. God, I know that you will make my path straight. God, I know that every good gift comes from above. When you read the Bible, there's a common thread all throughout, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And it's this. Like like David, for example, in Psalm, I think it was 139 verse 4. He says, Lord, I thank you because... Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Think of that. God, I thank you that there are no surprises to you. God, nothing shocks you. There's nothing too great. There's nothing too terrible. There's nothing too heavy or too, too, too large. God, help me see my struggles and my difficulties in light of how big you are. Isaiah, Isaiah says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you, Lord, you're going to condemn. And God says this. He says, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. The righteousness is from me, says God. So you read God's word, and there's that common thread all throughout. So let me ask you this. What are you going to do about your anxiety? My challenge is that you would talk to God, that you would hold on to gratitude for dear life, and that you would fix your focus on what's good and what's lovely and what's admirable. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for the power of your word. And God, I pray that whoever's listening to this message, God, I pray that you would fill them up with. Um, with your courage and with your wisdom and with your discernment. God, I don't know what people are going through right now, but I know that anxiety is real. God, I know that you've given us the answers. You've given us the tools to, to be able to get rid of anxiety, to be able to cope with anxiety. God, if it is a doctor or a, a, a medical a professional person that we need to, to go see, God, may we do that. May we take those steps. But Father, if it's, if it's within our power, God, I pray that we would obey and practice what Paul taught us, and that's, to, that's, that's to, to talk to you, to be thankful, and to have the right focus in life. And God, we thank you for your goodness and for your love for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.